Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home? Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing thegrandgroup at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Dan recap the Twins' three-game series against the Kansas City Royals. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kufis. With me, as always, is Dan Thompson. The Twins, in remarkable fashion, get swept by the Kansas City Royals, who are currently 22 games back from the AL Central-leading Cleveland Guardians. The Twins, however, are trying their best to catch them, Dan. They now sit 10 back of Cleveland. Is it still possible for the Royals to catch the Twins, mathematically? Oh, Dan, it's like you're trying to hurt me. Well, here, I, I'll answer my own question. It is, I think. So there's 12 games left, and there's a 12-game gap between them. So it's possible we could be looking at a fourth-place Minnesota Twins team here in a couple weeks. Well, so here's the thing. After losing 4-5 or five to Cleveland, clearly, clearly the team had lost all hope. But my goodness, Dan, in this series, it looked like they lost their will to live. It was pretty remarkable. And you know what? The Royals owed the Twins a sweep. So I suppose in this situation, they're just, I mean, can you tank for draft picks in baseball? You can. If it does give you anything, it should give you that. It is much more in the Twins' interest to actually try to win some baseball games. I think for a number of reasons here, um, it would be nice to see them kind of finish strong but they're gonna have to play a lot better than they did in this series this was rough and in case you're curious folks the division race is also done i mean not mathematically but it's done so the white Sox are out of it now they're seven games back from cleveland and all of a sudden dan it's amazing so i wanted to go to at least one more game before the season was out at target field and so i'm going on tuesday with a buddy and i was looking for tickets and i was trying to move my seats around you know because i'm trying to burn through some of those tickets i'm deciding where we want to sit and you know it was really blocked off there were not a lot of seats available in the sections I wanted to sit. And then lo and behold, after the Cleveland series, all those seats opened up for some reason, Dan. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> oh, I think the fans have lost a little bit of hope. You know what? The Viking, it's Viking season now, right? So the twins kind of, they bridge the way to Viking season. And I guess people are abandoning ship. I don't know that I really want to jump on the Viking ship at this point either, Dan, <laughs> after their showing on Monday night. Anyway, let's go in. We, we got a few segments here to get through here. So let's, uh, let's go to the series recap series recap do we have to I, there's really not much to recap david no no this was just bad i mean the first game at least it was interesting baseball i guess twins lose this one five to four dylan bundy on the mound gives a very dylan bundy-esque start goes four and two-thirds innings pitched four earned runs two home runs given up for a season era now at 4.78 and i gotta say dan for a guy who's on the mound pitching more or less for a job next season because there is a club option for like 11 million or something that ain't happening i can tell you that right now you would think that Bundy would be pitching better. You would think so, but this is kind of what Bundy does. You know, his ERA is at four seven eight. That's the Bundy line, right? The five yeah. ERA, I think. If we get a lot of lines in the show, I think that that's probably one more. He's going to stay under it, I think. Could be. Could be. It is fun to, like, math out who has starts left and who's going to be on the team next year and be like, okay, which of these guys are there going to be jerseys for sale real cheap in a couple of weeks? Well, and there was another notable play here was that Carlos Correa attempted to steal a base. Now, I would argue he wasn't necessarily attempting to steal the base because 
because um, I believe the situation was Miranda was up and Miranda struck out and Correa was kind of, you know, trying to go on a full count. Uh, but it was ironic because the broadcasters were talking about how Correa was so concerned about not stealing because he didn't want to hurt himself. And then he comes up lame as he tries to slide into second. Very important play, Dan. I mean, the season is on the line. Oh my gosh. He popped up after the game. The defender's foot kind of ran into his shin or something like that and kind of twanged it or something like that. I forget the exact word that he used, but uh, but he was okay. The second baseman was playing country music? Is that what I just heard, Dan? <laughs> Maybe. It could be. Uh, but I don't know. There's nothing else notable about game one to me. Well, there was one other. There was a good play by Jake Cave, sort of. It was sort of like a recovery. So Cave was in left. He was going back on a ball. He misjudged it, and so he had to play it off the wall. But I mean, he recovered pretty quickly, got the ball into Correa, and Correa fired home to Sanchez who got the runner trying to score um so a really good play really clean relay and if you if you look at the highlight and you just don't pay attention to Cave's playing of the ball initially looks like a really good play Jake Cave he went two for four in this game keeping himself around and relevant on the team uh, yes we'll have to see what happens next season uh anyway let's go on uh to game two this one this is when it really started to feel like they just don't care they <laughs> really don't care so twins lose this one five to two Bailey Ober, his second start back after coming off the IL, he goes five innings pitched, three earned runs, a season ERA now of 3.71. Obviously, that's probably lower, I would guess, than it would normally be if he didn't have that long IL stint. Yeah, and Aaron Sanchez comes in and gives him three innings. You got to think, can't they give Aaron Sanchez another start here down the stretch just to give himself a chance? You would think so, and you really hope that Rocco's using this time to examine guys for next season. And again, not for starters, right? Like, the starting lineup for the rotation for the Twins next season is going to be interesting because they're going to have a ton of options now granted maybe from a health perspective that won't be the case come spring training but as of right now dan you got eight guys who could potentially fill out that lineup card it feels strange though to say that looking at a team that is so starred for starting pitching right now like i, I totally get your point but like if ever they could use a starter i, I guess it would be now if they were at all relevant still looking yeah, I mean, for a that's the spot. thing right like like now it doesn't matter so much sure. so like I don't, I don't really care i'd rather have sunny gray sit on the il and not come back for the rest of the season get yourself back to health in time for next season when it actually matters well let's go to game three david <laughs> if you thought they didn't care in game two they didn't care in game three either the twins lose this one four to one just two hits that is all they can muster yeah this was a, a rough go here you had josh winder on the mound decent start actually mm -hmm. he goes six innings pitched only three earned runs two home runs and so it's one of those things where i like that rocco left him in for six innings and it's just funny that like now rocco reserves his pitching and when i say reserves his pitching like he's always pulling starters early but now it's like okay well now we can let him go deeper into games and then we're only going to use one arm out of the bullpen if we can help it and it's like where was this guy a few months ago oh, i know the, and the leverage has changed so much arise does get a hit in this one so he keeps his average at 313 still battling for that batting title and you know what carlos correa's batting average is up 288 he's had yeah. such a really good finish here his ops at 833 i gotta give him credit for still working and still being in this lineup and wanting to play every day it's impossible to watch him play and not be wondering what's he thinking about next season like that's all anybody really wants to know and i hope it's not one of those things that drags out for a long time through the offseason but it very well may because he might wait for other guys to sign to sort of set the market totally it's going to be another storyline to watch in the in the offseason because he again he's not quitting on this team he continues to be a great teammate from what it looks like at least what we can see on the field he continues to try to produce at the plate he has played a ton of games in a row <laughs> it feels like he's been in that second spot playing short every day for the last month he's doing it and like you said just the way that he's come on at the end of the season that's the guy that we paid the money to for this season what would that dan I think it's time. Let's go right into our segments. There's just not much else to say about this terrible, terrible series. Catch them all, Kirby Puckett! 
Puckett's Picks winner. You know, David, as I was starting to do the math on this, I really thought that Walner was going to win this for me, but he didn't quite do it. We tied. You had Correa. I had Walner. The listeners had Gordon. Gordon only had two points. Uh, Walner had seven, and so did Correa, but it came down to tiebreakers, David. Thankfully, Dan, Carlos Correa has used his veteran championship culture building skill set to have less strikeouts than your guy matt walner and so i come away with the victory huzzah dan uh, so that now gives you the lead you're at 17 victories in the season i'm at 16 the listeners are at 14 still mathematically in it but there's only four series left to go and i do have the points lead 258 listeners are right right ahead of you with 214 you have 212 one of those things though dan where about 80 percent of why i watch these twins games now is buckets picks <laughs> <laughs> All right, well let's uh let's keep going here to Beast versus Bench. Beast versus Bench. Is losing fun? Is losing fun. I'm sticking with my trend here, right? Correa won me Puckett's picks, and he probably had the best series out of anybody on the team, so I got to give Correa my beast moniker. Yeah, I mean, again, he played really well. I, I went with Walner, my guy from Puckett's picks, because here's the thing. He showed up in this series. He got a couple clutch two-out hits in this series. He played a pretty good right field. He's making a case, and he's going to have two more weeks to continue to make that case that he should be considered, you know, a, possibly an outfielder in this team next season. So much of it depends on the health of other guys and whether or not the twins make any outfield acquisitions which i think would be odd right but then yeah. again we say that every year and it's like we're going to talk about this next segment but my goodness some of the outfielders we've thrown out there this season dan it shows that that's an area that we need some help apparently for sure um who's on your bench yeah i'm gonna give it to miranda he goes one for 12 with with two double plays it's sort of like walner came up and miranda got nervous and self-conscious that he's not the new guy on the block anymore who's being productive but my goodness this was a rough one for jose yeah i mean he's got to be allowed a little bit of a reg- a regression at some point right i mean i don't think we can expect him to have the season he was having all season one for 12 with two grounding into double plays i don't know about that dan yeah he just doesn't have any protection really behind him either in this lineup i mean there's really no pop uh maybe after the top four right now it feels like yeah and it should be like the top seven really if everybody's healthy totally i so on my bench again i'm gonna go ethereal ephemeral i don't know quite what the word is here i'm gonna bench motivation for this baseball team because i'm not seeing a lot of motivation right now and obviously walner's motivated Correa's motivated i think arise is motivated i don't know who else really i mean we're gonna talk about celestino not being voted jake cave i just i'm wondering who is going to try to step up here in these next couple weeks and try to really leave a good taste in everybody's mouth here at the end of the season you know these picks are so hard to talk about dan when it's not a person it's a thing it's a force (laughs) but yes no it would be great to see some motivation out of a team that clearly had none for this series but here's the thing there are candidates who could use this like caleb hamilton is still looking for his first major league base hit billy hamilton i don't i mean does he have a hit as a twins player like i mean like there are guys palacios i mean Sanchez, there's so many guys who you would think would have all these reasons. And then against the Royals, they muster, what, how many runs? Four, five, six, seven <laughs> runs? I mean, in three games? It's a rough go, Dan. But Shouldn't again, there be some motivation here, Kufas? For what, though? I mean, like you said, like, there's still, there's, it'd be good to end on a positive note. I guess that's true. But, like, that positive note, Dan, the ceiling of that positive note is so low. <laughs> the fact that they could win out, they could win out the next four series, and it would mean nothing, Dan. But it would mean something for like, it's got to mean something, doesn't it? That's my, that's my favorite response I think I've ever heard out of you. It would mean nothing, Dan. But it but has it, to mean something. 
Good defense. Uh, good. Uh, good. Right. <laughs> that's that's all I got. I need like a Samwise Gamgee quote here or something like that to motivate the twins. Maybe that's what they need, David. Yeah, we don't have time for you to cry on the podcast again, <laughs> quoting Lord of the Rings. All right, let's uh, let's keep going here to Rocco's Rewind. Rocco's Rewind. If you're new to the show, Rocco's Rewind is a segment where we basically, I don't know, I'd like to say either encourage or chastise Rocco, depending on his performance in the previous series, or if there were questionable calls, or or when he decided to pull pitchers, or, or which pitchers he decided to put in. Now, granted, this time of the year, especially after you just got swept by the Royals and you are no longer relevant in the AL Central, I think our, our questions for Rocco become a little bit more bigger picture items sure. yeah. and less specific. Like, do we really care that Moran pitched two innings? Huzzah, I guess. I don't know. I don't, right. I don't know. I'm right. not yes. that excited I agree about with you that. There, yeah. But I will say, this season as a whole, this has been the first time in history for me as a Twins fan that I have thought pretty significantly about the coaching staff as a whole. And I will say, during this offseason, Rocco has a job to do. And he needs to, first of all, you gotta get a new third base coach. Because my <laughs> well, we goodness. Knew, we knew that was coming. Tommy <laughs> Watkins is terrible. And I have been saying that since I went back. It's like literally the second episode of the season that I've been saying <laughs> they need to replace Tommy Watkins. It was maybe the first Guardy's gripe of the year, actually, was me going off <laughs> first on Tommy of many, Watkins. I think. Yeah. It just needs to happen. Secondly, you're gonna have to get a pitching coach because clearly when Wes Johnson left that had an impact not only on your starters but also your relievers and then finally you need to address your training staff because the number of injuries there is a common denominator and it can't just be that you just happen to sign only fragile players clearly something's not happening in the strength and conditioning and medical treatment to keep these players on the field so Rocco these last four weeks look at your staff evaluate them and figure out who needs to be let go and who could be helpful to the team but needs to step it up moving forward I agree with you and you know what he's a he's a pretty young manager obviously in the grand scheme of things and he seems like a guy who doesn't maybe love to have the tough conversation or maybe the tough and we don't obviously we don't know the the inter, inner workings of the clubhouse but we talked about this last episode and how like you know he needs to show some tough love sometimes he can't just have people you know kind of doing whatever they want to do and and that works i guess fine when you're winning 100 games like he did a few years ago but like bottom line he's going to have to make some tough decisions here he's going to have to lead in a i think a more outwardly obvious way he's going to have to call guys and say this isn't good enough we we have to be better i think that's what he's got to do we'll see what happens I want to see that mad Rocco face. Well, I, I'm going to talk about, actually, it, it's clear, obviously, that Rocco is a listener of the podcast here because he benched Celestino mid-game one after after not tagging up on a play at third. He was kind of awkwardly like working his way down the line. I, I, to me, it's kind of a last straw move, and, and he called he called him out after the game, um, and he said, you know, basically, he's got to play smarter, and Celestino responded and said, yeah, he's got to play smarter. That's exactly the kind of thing that I think Rocco's just going to have to do. I mean, man-to-man between a lot of these guys. You have been really driving that tractor of the Celestino bandwagon in saying that he needs to get his head in the game. That's what I'll say, Dan. I'm just uh, what I'm I think picturing, bandwagon. I'm picturing Celestino me? sitting on the back of a tractor making well, his way to first base because I feel like that's kind of the pace that Celestino works at. I have no idea why. Maybe this is the case. I don't know what you think of when you hear bandwagon, but I always think of like a hayride situation. <laughs> I, I have no idea why. I'm guessing it's more like supposed to be like Oregon Trail sort of wagons, right? But like anything in my mind, it's always just a tractor and a bunch of people sitting on hay on a flatbed. It's called Oregon out here. David, it's not called oh. Oregon. I'm just... You know, sorry to. They probably think I say bag funny too. It's okay. (laughs) They might. Um, Yeah, I I guess 
where was this though a couple weeks ago when I thought this really could have mattered more, maybe done some more because there were again there were games and Celestino plays a good center field. He's he's a good player, I think in many ways. He just has too many dumbs. Too many dumbs. Hogs will be happy to hear it, Dan. All right, well let's go ahead to Minnesota moment. Minnesota moment. Here's my here's my Minnesota moment, Dan. Looking at the outfield lineup card to start each of these games, if I had shown that to you at the beginning of the season, I think you would have a lot of questions. So your first question, I think, would be, who's Matt Walner? I think that would be question number one. Question number two would be, it wouldn't so much be a question, just like a look of amazement that Jake Cave was still on this team somehow. And then you'd be like, Gordon? You mean like he's a fill-in, right? And I'd be like, no, no, no. He's an everyday player, actually. They put him in the lineup every single day. And then I'd say Celestino. And again, you'd be like, oh, you mean like as a utility guy? And I'd say, no, 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 no. This is the guy they have out there every day. I just think that it's done a great job of summarizing the season and the injuries that they've had to show that that's the outfield you're throwing out there for all of these games. It is remarkable because there's no Trevor Larnack, no Alex Kirlov, obviously no Byron Buxton, no Max Kepler. I mean, those were the four guys that they started the season with, and we think, yeah, those are probably going to be the four. I guess Celestino was on the, was on the roster at that point, too. Um, that is really remarkable. It, it's hard to win games late in the season when that's your outfield. Yes. What do you have for your Minnesota moment? Well, I'm going to say the three-run second inning in game one that gave the Twins a 3 nothing lead because it was still mathematically possible. Hoags, actually our fill-in host, was talking about the Phillies, I think, about 15 years ago that were seven games back with something like 17 or 16 games left. So he was on the, so that you're saying there's a chance kind of, kind of movement there, just a little bit. And I felt like, okay, yeah. And if the White Sox sweep the Guardians, then they're still right there. Four games back, but none of that happened, David. None. None of that happened. And I don't want to talk anymore about that because it's just going to make me sad. Let's go forward here to Mauer's Musings. I just don't know how it can get any better. Mauer's Musings. It looks like we're actually both looking back at the outfield here. I'll ask this question. I think you know th- these conversations might kind of merge. How should the Twins fill their outfield spots next season? And is anybody tradable? And I say that kind of two ways, like, would the Twins be willing to part with anybody? And would anybody want the guys that the Twins would be willing to part with? I kind of think no. I think they may let some guys walk and just see where they end up. But so really, the only lock, assuming health, I think is Buxton, Mm -hmm. right? And so the question really becomes, in my mind, it's between several people. And there's other people who could do fill-ins. But I think for me, it's got to be between Larnick, Kirilov, and Walner. And I think Celestino and Gordon can fill in. But I don't think that those are those are starter caliber players, mentally, at least for Celestino at this point. It's really hard to predict this, right? Because Kirilov is going to be coming off an, an injury and a surgery that, you know, they literally sawed off part of the bone in his wrist. Like, you just don't know. Like, guys, could he come back from that? Yeah, maybe. Um, Trevor Larnock has been kind of having this nebulous injury that you hope he's able to come back from. But we haven't really seen him put together great stretches, even in the way that Kirilov, I think. I think Kirilov has been more consistent during stretches than Larnock has been. You got to look at Walner. I, I do think Walner probably doesn't start with the big league club just because he is a little bit younger. They probably have space for him at AAA, and I think they want to give the other guys a chance. You mentioned Jake Cave. If Cave's willing to hang out at AAA again for a little while, but you hold on. Why are you shaking your head? Last episode, you were talking about how you think Jake Cave's going to still be in the system forever. Well, yes, but that's obviously that's a jest. <laughs> was like, that I a don't... joke? That wasn't a serious thing. <laughs> no, <laughs> yes, it was a joke. No, I think that Jake Cave will probably stay in the system. You're probably right about that and if the season progresses next year like it has this year as far as injuries are concerned I'd be shocked if we don't see Jake Cave at this point which is a weird thing to say but truly I think that Larnick 
likely is a lock for next season, assuming he's healthy. Like, clearly, again, Buxton's a lock. Larnick, to me, is a lock. And so, really, I think it comes down to right field and whether Kepler is going to be able to turn it around with the new rules about the shift or if Kirilov is going to be healthy. I think I think Kepler is kind of the only guy there that has a predictable trade value in the sense that I think teams will look at him and say, hey, maybe a fresh start, maybe the rule change, maybe he could actually be better next season. But at the same time, do the Twins want to risk trading him to somebody where he would have that better season and hit 250 or something like that uh, and, and be more effective? Because he plays a great right field. And, we, and that's not something that we can just take for granted, especially when right field and at target field is kind of weird. It is definitely weird. And yes, his, his fielding is a skill set. But again, until he can prove some offensive prowess that isn't based upon either the ball being juiced or the lack of ability to hit outside of the shift he's a little bit of a wild card right well let's look at your question it's come out the twins haven't said this yet but a couple of reporters have said that byron buxton is done for the season and he avoided the il for a long time and then when he went on the il it was like well there it goes so my question to you dan as as probably the leading byron buxton fan in all of the world I would say, would you consider this season, just looking at Byron Buxton, not the team as a whole, would you consider this season a success for Byron Buxton? It is worth reminding listeners that my cat is named Byron Buxton. I don't think that's a coincidence. Um, So I'm looking at it. So his wins above replacement is four right now, 340 at-bats, 28 home runs, 51 RBI, six stolen bases, um, an OPS of 833. I don't want to call it a success, but it's an improvement. Like, it's a step in the right direction. I, I admire his his pluck. He's able to do this when he's clearly not healthy. Like, like if that's kind of the, the floor now of his abilities when he's even hurt, I do think it's hopeful. But I I can't call this season a success when I, I think I saw it tweeted. He only played like 18 games after the All-Star break. Like, that's not, yeah. that's not enough. And, and honestly, he could make a big difference in a series that they had against the guardians there very much so yeah i do think that he needs to hit for a better average but like Mm -hmm. other than that i don't know what else you can ask from the guy other than staying healthy and there's just there's not a good way to ask for that that the guy really has any control over no and and we look you know 28 home runs i mean that's that's nine more than he had the previous season that was his previous high of 19 i mean the guy's got some power but you would love him to mix back in just some quality at bats and some base hits in there it it seemed like maybe towards the end of the season because he wasn't you know at at full health in his lower body he was just swinging for home runs It, it seemed like a little bit more than usual so we'll see what he does next season to kind of dial back I mean he was an he was an all-star like he had an all-star first half and maybe that's the part that's disappointing and that's why it's hard to call it a success because we did not see that all-star value that player after the break I think that's really the biggest bummer about this is that everybody's concerned about Buxton is always about health and how fun would it have been if we got a full season out of Byron Buxton when he was healthy and then maybe some of those complaints about his lack of health would subside a little bit even if he struggled with health next season a little bit all right well david uh this should be quick let's grade the series series grades honestly i don't even think it deserves a grade dan like truly like it's an f clearly but like i was like trying to put like what's the opposite of e for effort f is failure but they did worse than that dan it's like they failed and they didn't even try so is that an incomplete can i give them an i yeah you can give them if it was a pass fail class it would be a fail yeah i think incomplete implies that there was some opportunity there to be taken and they just they just didn't take it but yeah i mean gosh getting swept by the royals in kansas city i don't even i mean did they hit a home run even in this series nope yeah i i yeah i'm with you All right, well, let's go to Herbie's headline, Dan, and figure out if something else is more exciting to talk about than this Twins team. I don't know, Jack. It looked like Herbeck pulled him off the bag. Herbie's Headlines.
Well, David, Aaron Judge is up to 60 home runs, one behind Maris. I'm not sure he's going to be able to hit 70, but it's pretty clear he's got a great chance here to at least, you know, pass Maris and and set the American League record. And if you are at a game, folks, where Judge hits a home run, I would argue you should stay away from the home run ball because, man, they are brawling for those balls at this point, Dan. Yeah, and I do need to mention on the telecast, the Twins were talking about Aaron Judge because apparently everybody wants to talk about Aaron Judge. But anyway, Morneau said that Judge is one of his favorite players. And it just drove me a little bit nuts. But now it's just good to know, Dan, that you have you have some backing behind your love for Aaron Judge. Well, thank goodness. Justin Morneau has good taste in sluggers, I think. Um <laughs> <laughs> there's okay there's one other thing though you mentioned the telecast so dick bramer and justin morano spent a good deal of time not talking about the twins uh but talking about the increase in base size and i feel like david we haven't talked enough about this i'm sure you do why? <laughs> so they're making the bases bigger, which is going to decrease the distance between first base and second base by like six inches. And I've talked before about how when a guy slides into second, there's so many times when if it was just a little bit closer, his hand would get in there before the tag. And then they were talking about this in the context of how, you know, the Royals, it feels like everybody steals bases more than the Twins. Yeah. But this is my question to you. Does this mean that the Twins are going to have to adapt and try to steal more bases? Maybe, especially if all their speed guys are healthy, right? I just wonder, like, does that change it even to where guys who wouldn't normally be your speed guys, I'll call like Polanco. Like, does Polanco try to steal more bases because it's it's just that little bit closer and because you have to keep up with the other teams in the league? Could be. If you're curious, folks, stolen base attempts per game, the Twins rank dead last at .32 bases per game on average. Well, it's got to be something where... You know, organizations are kind of determining what's the risk factor here. Like, what what does your stolen base success rate need to be to make that extra base worth trying to steal? But we saw the Royals in this series do it a couple times in key moments and then come up. We saw it in Game 3 where Witt Jr. steals second and then Salvador Perez gets kind of a, a broken bat single to right that scores him when he or to left when that normally wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a tool that the Twins need to exploit more. And now I'm just looking at these stats a little bit more. This is funny, Dan. If we're just looking at stolen base attempts at home, the Twins attempted to steal .24 bases per game, which is the lowest. The next closest are the Tigers at .39 bases per game. Wow. So that's not even successful stolen attempts. That's just how many times they even tried to steal a base. Well, I think what they need to do is they need to get Caleb Hamilton pinch running more often, I think, for not just Gary Sanchez, which we didn't even talk about this in Game 3, how Caleb Hamilton walks. He still doesn't have a major league hit. He walks and then a rise is hit down the right field line. He went first to third, and it made me wonder, David, if Gary Sanchez could have done the same thing. It's a real good question, Dan. And again, I contend if they did that, before the games i think the fan attendance would grow exponentially you know i want to see the day first of all that caleb hamilton gets a hit i don't know that it's going to be the season he actually got to start and try here against the royals my goodness it's rough well (laughs) enough about the bases dan yes it's very exciting but let's go ahead and do the part that's most exciting for the remainder of the season dan puckett's picks for the upcoming angel series and we'll see you puckett's picks so david we we put this to twitter actually, to let the people have their voice. And they ended up picking Carlos Correa for the listeners here when it matters most, which I love this pick because that means you can't take him. 
that is a, a big sadness for me. And I will say, folks, I thought we'd get a little bit more engagement on the old poll. Now, granted, part of that's on me. I didn't get it up till this afternoon, so I will try better in the future. But we may try that a couple more times next season specifically, given the poll uh, for, the, for the listeners to have a hive mind approach as opposed to asking individual listeners to give the picks. Um, I'm going to actually, I'm going to, I'm looking for guys with motivation, David. And I think one man who is motivated to get some hits is Luis Arise. I think he wants that batting title. He might even have a contract incentive, right? I don't know. Uh, but that's got to look good on your resume to have an American League batting champion somewhere on there, right? You would think so. And I, I don't think Arise is a bad pick, especially with Correa off the board. So then that leaves a, a bunch of options for you, David, right? I think Miranda's going to have a bounce back series. That's what I really think is going to happen. I did consider Walner. I think that he's due for regression and Miranda's going to bounce back. That makes a lot of sense. Well, the next series here, again, is against the Angels. And finally, Shohei Otani will pitch at Target Field on Friday. David, are you going to go? You know, I can't. I, I tried so hard to make my schedule work, but it's just impossible. You have a full day Saturday. I got too much work and, and homework to do on Friday, unfortunately. Well, you're going to have to wait only another year, hopefully. Hopefully the rotation lines up and next season you, you can see him pitch. All right. Well, how about you send us out, sir? Well, folks, if you like what you hear, please tell a friend. You can follow us on Twitter at Men for the Win, and you can find our Men for the Win Facebook page. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We notified when new episodes are available. And if you could leave us a rating, that'd be great. A reminder that episodes are now available on our YouTube channel, and if you could drop us a like and a subscribe, we'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks for listening, and as always, go Twins! That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, go Twins! Go Twins!